The Garbage Hour is brought to you by A Good Night's Sleep. Sleeping. It's practice for the inevitable. They took her post off Facebook Cause some men thought it was rude But she still got a thing or two to say To all those shitty dudes here on the garbage hour Don't take it personally As we smash the patriarchy here on the garbage, here on the garbage, here on the garbage hour. Welcome to the garbage hour. I continue to be Megan McGuire. Sorry, I went AWOL last week. If you noticed, I was too busy and chose sleep over garbage, which I think is always the right choice. Today we celebrate a baker's dozen of garbage hours. That's right, there have been 13 whole episodes of garbage. After a very lucky 13 episodes, the garbage continues. Don't worry. Last week, our butthead-in-chief and the Pentagon issued orders to ban transgender soldiers from serving in the military. The center of the statement reads as such. Persons with a history or diagnosis of gender dysphoria including individuals who the policies state may require substantial medical treatment, including uh, medications and surgery, are disqualified from military service, except under limited circumstances. End quote. The statement further claims that the presence of trans troops in the military, quote, presents uh, considerable risk to military effectiveness and lethality. Before I dive into my profanities and facts and figures, I just want to say that I am not trans and therefore can never fully understand the struggle of having to fight to have others recognize your gender identity. I do this from a place of empathy and like light academia, not expertise. I care about this issue and want to talk about it because fuck this government and fuck transphobia. And also, today, that the day that I'm recording this, not the day that this is released, but Saturday, uh, March 31st, when I'm recording this, is Trans Visibility Day. So I guess this is what I can do to say, I see you. Fuck the storied history of devaluing queer people. And let's get into the garbage. So first of all, fuck right off, you fuckers. Stop diagnosing people. It is a dated practice and straight up offensive. The queer community has a history of being pathologized, that is having our identities written off as a medical or mental health condition, thus undercutting the legitimacy of the identity. Gay, bi, or lesbian activity was included as a condition in the first three editions of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or the DSM. Gayness was seen as something that disrupts everyday life in the way that mental health conditions do. It was seen as something that needed to be fixed or treated. But before that, they were seen as sexual deviants who had something intrinsically wrong with them that made them attracted to their own gender. Worse still, with trans individuals, their identities are often pathologized as gender dysphoria. And they're often not seen as legitimate in their transness until they have gender affirmation surgery, if they choose to have it. The medical 
procedure that affirms their identity becomes more important than the identity itself. The burden of trans people in the military is blamed on the medical cost, the financial burden that their condition places on the military. It completely denies their humanity by boiling it down to a medical issue, which it's not. But when we medicalize queer people, it's not done in a caring way. It's not like someone's bringing them homemade chicken noodle soup and rubbing their back with Vicks VapoRub. It's a way of othering a whole group of people, saying that there is inherently me medically something wrong with them that makes them a drain on society or the military. Medicine, science, is used as an excuse. It's a justification of, we don't like you, but it's okay because we have totally legitimate reasons. Ask doctors. It justifies our bigotry and our transphobia because these people are, quote, sick or wrong in some way. Ugh, that felt dirty just saying that. So we need to stop the pathologizing of queerness. We need to stop acting like queer people and their identities are a drain or a medical issue when it's a human rights issue. And this isn't the first time we have excluded people from the military. In fact, the United States military has a pretty storied history of excluding people from the armed service. And wouldn't you know it, it's mostly disenfranchised voices. Wow. Cue Revolutionary War Fife music. Since the birth of America, people have been excluded from military service for a variety of reasons. But... Some of the most infuriating have been the exclusion of people based on their gender, sexual orientation, or race, and most recently, gender identity. And, mostly, they were excluded because they were thought to interfere with unit morale and cohesion. African Americans have been serving in the military since the country began. The person that many people consider the first casualty of the American Revolution and owner of best name ever was a black man, Crispus Attucks, who died in the Boston Massacre. Uh, black soldiers fought on both sides of the American Revolution, and there were black soldiers serving in the Civil War. You know, a war about their freedom. Despite this, the military remained segregated until 1948. During World War II, black enlistment was at an all-time high, but they were still segregated, often given non-combat and support roles. If they were in combat roles, they were in a segregated regiment. The nurses' corps remained completely white until 1941, and even then, black nurses were segregated from the white nurses and the white soldiers throughout the entirety of World War II, as if race has anything to do with, like, helping a soldier in need. After the war, not a single black person was awarded a Medal of Honor until more than 50 years later. It's hard to know how many women served in the Revolutionary and Civil Wars, as they disguised themselves as men in order to serve. The Army Nurses Corps became a permanent part of the United States Army in 1901, and that was the where most of the women in the armed forces were. Women became more integrated into the Army in the latter half of the 20th century, but were still held from serving on the front lines in combat roles, with a statement from the Pentagon in 1994 stating, quote, Service members are eligible to be assigned to all positions for which they are qualified, except that women shall be excluded from assignment to units below the brigade level, whose primary mission is to engage in direct combat on the ground. I guess because our periods would cause us to shoot people, or our bodies in three layers of body armor are still too alluring for men. But of course, 
we can't have nice things for too long, can we? Because once women became more of a presence in the military, you know what became a problem? Sexual assault. Oh, you knew that? Great. According to Medscape, approximately 25% of women in the military have been sexually assaulted and 80% have been sexually harassed. It's already hard out here in the real world to get people to believe women's stories, but in the military, the complication is doubled, tripled, quadrupled. Accusing a military colleague of sexual assault or harassment is seen as breaking the fraternity of the military unit, and oftentimes a commanding officer will choose to protect the assaulter, or, you know, he is the assaulter, over listening to the woman's story and getting her assault charges processed in a meaningful way. The USCCR report shows that many victims of sexual assault, men and women, do not report their sexual assault allegations to the military for fear of retaliation. Others who do not report do so because they have heard or witnessed others' negative experiences. Even once women were allowed in more military roles, they were still restricted in access and what they could do based on combat roles and based on the presence of sexual violence in the armed forces. Which brings us to gay people in the military. Now, because we see gay rights beginning at the Stonewall riots in 1969, we forget that these issues actually also stretch back to the very beginning of our armed forces. And obviously, before that, gay people just, like, show up suddenly. The first person on record to have been discharged for being gay was Lieutenant Frederick Enslin, who was dismissed from the military in 1778 for sodomy. In the 19-teens and 1920s, it became official that sodomy was a crime in the U.S. military, which could lead to court-martial. In the uh, 1940s, homosexual proclivities, their words, not mine, uh, but that's what I'm going to name my improv team, made young men unfit for military conscription. If people were caught, it led to either court-martial or dishonorable discharge. Some variation of this policy remained in place until 1993, when, in an attempt to take a step towards military inclusion of gays, Bill Clinton signed the so-called Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy, which meant that the military could not ask an individual's sexual orientation, and in return, any gay, lesbian, or bisexual service members could not disclose their sexual orientation while serving, thus creating a bunker-like closet for gay and bi-service people. It's like, what do you think? Gay people were going to go all the way to the Middle East so they could maybe get killed just in case they could, like, catch a glimpse of some dude's butt in the shower? They could just go to Planet Fitness for $10 a month if that's what they wanted. Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed in 2010, finally allowing gay people to serve in the military openly. All of this bummer of a history lesson to say. Exclusion from the military is an extremely common way of preserving the status quo, of denying people access to a common and honorable means of employment. We see serving in the military as the highest sacrifice, the ultimate show of patriotism. We get ribbons on our cars for it. We hold these people in an esteem unparalleled by any figures in this nation. We stand and cheer when they walk across the graduation stage. We make big announcements when they do things like ride on airplanes. And by saying that a group of people can't and shouldn't be a part of this, that's saying that that group of people whether it's black men, women, gay people, and now trans people, it, 
they're not worthy of honor and esteem that is automatically bestowed upon members of the armed forces in the United States. When we say that certain people aren't allowed to serve in the military while simultaneously sticking a support our troops ribbon on every single pickup truck within a thousand mile radius, we are saying that only some people, read straight, white, male, cis, are worthy of that deference. Listen, I've always been wary of the military. Most of my life, the United States has been in two meaningless wars in the Middle East. But military service today is a choice. No one is being forced to work in the military, and I respect anyone who makes that choice. It's a living, and I don't think we should be restricting who is allowed to do it. But if I'm going to be asked to clap for military service people on my plane every time I fly, I would at the very least like to know that everyone who has decided to enter into this very dangerous line of work is allowed to do so, regardless of their gender and gender identity, race, or sexual orientation. And I know it's an old and tired joke about bone spurs and Donald Trump, but yeah, that. Garbage, garbage, oh, we got garbage up in here. And now for our weekly segment, Sifting Through the Trash, in which I find something in my trash can more qualified to be president than Donald J. Trump. Not a whole lot in there today. Ooh, that's... Today, I have a post-it note that says, back me up, that I had stuck to my computer to remind me to back up my computer. This post-it note is more qualified to be president than Donald J. Trump. And it did its job. I backed up my computer. And now, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do, Megan? Where I get past the rants and the catharsis and answer that very question. Donate to the ACLU, who has been taking the issues of trans troop bans to the court, taking on the U.S. government, and educating people about this issue. Um, Something very easy that I do to constantly be giving the ACLU money is I have my Lyft app set so that every time I take a Lyft ride, the cost of my ride is rounded up to the nearest dollar value. And that money is donated to the ACLU. That's not just with the ACLU. You can do that with a bunch of nonprofits. Anyway, Lyft is better than Uber. Donate to the ACLU. There are so many LGBTQ and specifically trans organizations that work in anything from advocacy to mental health support. There's the Trevor Project. There's GLAAD. There's the Transgender Law Center, among a bajillion others. Give if you can. And three... Call your representatives, your senators. They can check the Trump administration's balance. They need to know that we take this issue seriously because these are people's lives and identities on the line and we shouldn't let trans troops become a pawn in Trump's game of bigotry. Inclusion in the armed forces is one step towards the road of acceptance of a disenfranchised group. So that's why this issue matters so much. Thank you for listening. The Garbage Hours music is written by Sean McGuire and Heather Grimm. Uh, you can follow me on social media, Twitter at Miargan, uh, Instagram at Meggie underscore McGee. You can check out my website, mcguiremegan.wordpress.com. You can like and subscribe and rate and review and all that stuff on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Um, 
yeah, if you like it, rate it, and then maybe more people will see it, and then maybe I can get a Blue Apron subscription for free um, with that, like, Blue Apron money um, or maybe stamps.com. I don't know. The sky's the limit. Check me out all over the internet. This may not have been an hour, but it was garbage. Support trans troops and trans people in general. Happy belated Trans Visibility Day. Um... Yeah. Bye. Into the garbage, fly boy!